Is democracy at risk or have the definitions changed? It seems as though as we are rapidly approaching the midterm election on Tuesday, November 8th, that this is one of the issues that both parties seem to be addressing. Although if there's a party that has more of an emphasis on it at present, I would have to say it's the Democrat Party. So is democracy at risk or have the definitions changed? President Biden, former Presidents Clinton and Obama are all talking about it. Democracy, as we know from the, the basics of civics, the study of government and the rights and responsibilities of citizenship is all about voting. That's how decisions are made. There is a proposal put forward. The proposal is debated. That is, it is its merits are argued in favor and against by all members of, be it Congress, or be it a state legislature, or be it a city council, or be it a town meeting. Everyone has the opportunity to participate fully through the exercise of debate, that is, free speech. And then a vote is taken. When the vote is taken, be it a voice vote, all in favor signify by saying aye, those opposed say nay, the ayes have it or the nays have it, and the proposal is either passed or is defeated. It may be done by a standing vote. Those in favor, please signify by standing. It may be done, as is the, the case in my own hometown of Hubbardston, by giving each registered voter, once they have registered to attend town meeting, they are given a uh, colored card, which they are to raise when indicated by the, the moderator uh, to express their favor or their rejection of a proposal. In Congress and in most state legislatures in 2022, voting is done by electronic device. That is, you either have a card or else there are stationary modules at every legislator's desk and you express your affirmative vote or your negative vote and it is registered electronically and it is all reported in the legislative journal of whatever body we may be talking about, be it the House of Representatives, usually in the United States Senate. Even in 2022, they will use what is called a roll call vote. And so the role, the alphabetical role of members is read and members then have to verbalize yay or nay. The totals are tallied and then presented to the presiding officer of the Senate who announces the, the result of the, the vote. But that's democracy. One side wins, the other side loses. But certain rights remain. Certain rights have to remain. 
we have to look at the bigger picture. And it seems as though there are some people who, if their side does not win, that they do not want the other side to have rights. They don't want the other side to have the ability to participate in the, in the process. And quite candidly, that's un-American. It's un-American since the very beginning when we were an English colony, and it continues to be un-American today. Another topic that I wanted to discuss in today's episode of Law with Mr. Lafayette are the so-called election deniers. These are the individuals who refuse to accept the result of an election, an election that is held legally, an election that um, has withstood judicial review. That is, courts have looked at the elements of the election, they have looked at the results of the election, and they believe that the election is legitimate. Sometimes it's more than just courts who take a look at election and election results. Sometimes it may be special commissions like the Board of Elections, or it might be on the local level, clerks and moderators and tellers for a given voting precinct. But be it as it may, election deniers say that it was not a legitimate election. Now, probably the most famous as far as election deniers uh, would be former President Donald Trump, the 45th President of the United States. But hold on a minute. Let's go back, not to 2020, let's go back to 2016. And quite honestly, Hillary Clinton, who was the Democrat candidate for president that year, denied, although she conceded to President Trump at about three in the morning, the day after the election, she essentially spent the next four years denying the results of the election. And she has to, in fact, accept the realization that that is what she has done. So she herself is an election denier. Uh, it will be interesting to see what happens at the midterm election on November 8th, 2022, and to see whether or not candidates will accept or will deny the results of given elections. Now, the midterm election does not include the office of president. We all know that. By very definition, it is the midterm. So it's two years into a president's four-year term of office. And that brings us to the third and last topic that I wanted to touch upon in this episode, these so-called mega-partisans or mega-partisanship. The use of the term mega is to underscore 
an extreme, an extreme partisanship. And that's not limited to any political party. There are mega Republicans, which President Biden has often cited publicly, as recently as last week in a, an address that uh, he gave at Washington's Union Station. This is also something that he touched upon, that he underscored during his Soul of the Nation speech that uh, was given earlier this fall in Philadelphia. But it's not just Republicans who can qualify for the, the term of megapartisans. In fact, there are just as many, if not more, Democrat Party members who are mega Democrat. They call them political parties or they call them factions. They have been a part of the American system of government and of governance for well over 200 years. But whatever you call them, members of political parties, some of which have been in existence well over 150 years, and some are fleeting and last only a few years. And then interest, public interest in them dissipates and people move on. Whatever you want to call them, to be a partisan is not in and of itself a bad thing. You can associate with a political party. It is part of your rights as an American. Or, if you so choose, don't be a member of any political party. That's fine. But just don't lose sight of the bigger picture. What is that bigger picture? We are first and foremost citizens of the greatest country in the world. We are citizens of the United States of America. And although we may be Democrat, or we may be a Republican, or we may be independent, political party affiliation comes a very distant second to what must always be first. And that is, we have to uphold, we have to respect, we have to protect that basic law of the land. And of course, as my student in either Law 1 or Law 2 or Honors Law, you know what that is. That is, of course, the Constitution of the United States. Along with it comes not only rights, but responsibilities. Along with it comes that missing ingredient in 2022, and that is civility. So we can be partisan, but we have to make sure to curb our enthusiasm, if you will, and remember that political opponents are not enemies. They are, in fact, our fellow citizens. Partisanship in and of itself is acceptable, but carrying it to an extreme never is. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Law with Mr. Lafayette. This is Rene Lafayette. I'm a social studies and law teacher at Lemonster High School in Lemonster, Massachusetts. 
If you have not subscribed or follow this podcast, please do so on the listening platform of your choice.